Welcome into another edition of Locked On Nationals. And on today's show, I have a very special guest, Danny Noakes from 1067 The Fan, someone who knows the ins and outs of the Washington Nationals. So we're going to get into all of that and more right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you you get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clary, and I have taken my Nationals passion into podcast form here with the Locked On Podcast Network. And in doing that said podcast, I get to bring on some fun guests just like my guy, Danny Noakes from 106.7 The Fan. Danny, what's going on, man? How you doing? How's the offseason been for the Nationals? I'm doing great, brother. Hey, I appreciate you having me on Locked On Nationals. I really appreciate it. You do a fantastic job. Got to say, it's it's been a relatively uneventful offseason for for the Washington Nationals. Now, with the last couple of weeks, we've seen them make a couple of more moves that'll help them kind of shape out what that that starting nine will look like here come the end of March, right? Uh, But I don't think it's really got any of the fans particularly excited with the uh you know the quality of players that they're bringing in but obviously (laughs) with the spot that this franchise is in right now nothing that they're really doing has been particularly surprising so let's get into it man yeah no exactly and you you kind of just hit it off there you know the situation that we're in right now being in a rebuild after winning the world series in 2019 i mean people think about it and it's like i wouldn't have guessed that we would have been in this position even the last two years or even the last three years if you count 2020 as well yeah. And so it's kind of shocking and jarring to some people that we sit here today and you sign left fielder Corey Dickerson for a one year, two million dollar deal. And it's like, you know, that's a good deal for a team that was the worst team in baseball last year. But like <laughs> this isn't a move that's going to be for a playoff hunt, you know. Right. So how do you kind of think about the Corey Dickerson signing today? He'll be filling out left field. Yeah, that's that's right. And and I think if they run into some trouble in right field. You know, he could play either corner. So so that's mm-hmm. positive. But I actually had the chance to listen to your last episode too, buddy. And I, I thought that the way that you positioned the, the Corey Dickerson deal was was pretty much exactly what fans should expect with yeah. this. And it's great because he's a, he's a former gold glove winner. He's a former all-star. So there is potential there, but there's a reason that he was available this offseason. And that reason is because his production has dipped over the last couple yeah. of years. Now, if he comes to D.C. and has a, a revitalization of his career, which we've seen with, with a couple of guys, then maybe he becomes someone that, come the trade deadline this July, you can make a deal and bring some more young guys on that, that you can develop. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of tough because this is a team that has went from winning the world season 2019, like you said, to essentially selling off every legitimate piece, every productive piece that helped them win that championship just a couple of years ago. And it's a shame because there was, there was a championship parade, but there was no ring ceremony. There was no banner ceremony because of the COVID thing. So it almost feels like it didn't even happen, especially with how quickly that the nationals have, have come back to the basement of the national league East. And you know, the other thing, and not to, to get into a conversation about the other teams in the NL East, but 
with what the Phillies have done, with what the Braves have done, with what the Mets have done. I think it just makes it that much more frustrating to it see stings. more than it, it does, you know, and, and a lot of former nationals players are involved with those teams right now. And, and we're regularly watching them compete against the team that they helped bring a world championship to. So I, I think all of that really plays into the way that we're all feeling because I mean, you know, we don't expect this team to to win a whole lot of games this year. You know, we're talking no. probably somewhere between 55 and 65 games, just kind of depending on how well some of these guys are able to step up. Yeah. And, you know, and that's a great point, too, because it's like I've been trying to tell people, I'm like, listen, like I saw where someone said that this could be an 80 team win or 80 or an 80 win team. And I'll be nice. Like, It'd be nice <laughs> if we were in triple A. Yeah, this is yeah, this exactly. is not a team like R- Mike Rizzo, Davy Martinez, all those guys who are out there. They're gonna say we could win with this team. Well, right. every every team, all thirty GMs go into the season being like, we could win with this team. The mm-hmm. Marlins have said it for ten years. We That's could right. win with this team. They haven't won with that team. The Angels go in every year. We can win with this team. They and don't they win got with studs. that team. The and they have studs. Go. Right. And it's like, you know, and that's what people point to a lot. But really, the whole conversation of this right now, to me, it really revolves around ownership. Sure. I think if we had new ownership in this situation right now, I think they would actually want to be aggressive. I think they would actually want to sign some of these splashy guys, whether it, I don't think it would be like a Carlos Correa or Aaron Judge or anything like that. But mm-hmm. some of these middle tier guys like a Josh Bell giving him a two year 38 million dollar deal something like that and so that also comes into play when we're in this total lingo right now to where we don't really know where we stand with the ownership and kind of how do you think this ownership situation right now that we're in has affected the offseason and really has affected the Washington Nationals as a whole I mean there's there's just no doubt that what's going on with the, the ownership in flux with the Nationals that that's having a, a tremendous effect on what their strategy has been both this offseason with the trade deadline last year yeah. and with really everything that they're doing you know I, I imagine that they've got a limited budget and I think it all stems from the fact that Lerner Enterprises during the pandemic really took a hit as a real estate company and a lot of people could say the same thing right we all took hits of different financial proportions (laughs) during the the COVID-19 pandemic and I I think obviously that's where it starts but you know if if we really look at the history of of the learners owning this franchise you know it never really seemed like baseball was their number one priority because they're really only willing to spend money on on starting pitching not even (laughs) relievers right just starting pitching and that's a great way to spend your money but you've had a lot of, you know, really good talent come through this building Amazing. over the last 10 years. And no one is still here except for Steven Strasburg. And what, when was the last time that we even saw him pitch effectively right. in, a, in a regular season game? Because they haven't <laughs> even been anywhere close to the postseason since then. So here's how I'm approaching the 2023 season, right? It's just like the way that you should have gone into this past weekend to the commanders against the Cowboys, right? Set those expectations low because that (laughs) way you won't be as disappointed, right? So I think what fans should should look forward to here in this season is not the win-loss record. And sure, you want to see them win as as much as they possibly can. But let's see what Mackenzie Gore looks like when he gets back, right? When he's finally healthy. 
how does he acclimate himself? Because you would assume that he's going to be a start of a part of the starting rotation once he mm-hmm. gets there. You know, he was pretty effective in his first five games for the Padres last year. I was actually reading his his Q and A that he did with Mark Zuckerman from Masson, which was great as always. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he pointed to was that he has to get better at is as the season goes along he needs to sort of change things up a little bit and, and you know, pun intended, cause he is a pitcher, right? There's a change up and whatnot, yeah. but um, <laughs> he, he needs to start to, to vary certain things so that pitchers or uh, so that hitters can't necessarily pick up on all of his tendencies and, and figure out where he's going with his next pitch or, or which pitch he might throw next, you know? I, and I thought that was a very mature thing, by the way, of Mackenzie Gore to recognize, considering he doesn't obviously have a, a whole lot of major league baseball experience. So I'm looking forward to getting guys like that into the lineup, get our first look of, of them in a nationals uniform. Let's get Cade Cavalli back. Right. Always said that first start Cade Cavalli's debut last year, it went South quickly because of how bad their defense was. And yeah. it was an early, it was an early Abrams error that allowed those couple of runs to come across in the first inning and mm-hmm. really just had him trying to to come from behind from the get-go. And for any young pitcher, I don't care if it, if it's Steven Strasburg or if it's Cade Cavalli or, or whoever you're putting out there, it's going to be hard to, to play from behind, especially with the lineup that the Nationals are trotting out there oh, every yeah. single day, you know? So, and, and, and to, you know, to his credit, Abrams really improved defensively after that, you know, he had a great yeah. close to his season. So, I want to see guys like like Abrams to continue their development. How 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 much better can they be, right? And Luis Garcia, all the all the top guys that that everyone's focused on. It's not like I'm pointing to, you know, anything special or mm-hmm. anything that that's that's going to come out of come out of left field. Uh, it's you know they they made a big deal last year sending Soto to to San Diego. Now need to start to see some of those those assets that came in we need to start reaping some of the benefits of that at least get them to a point where they're you know developing efficiently and and regularly contributing to the team 100 percent. you kind of just started going down that hole where i want to get down to with yeah. you especially with i mean when you talk about the soto trade people have their side you know, I'm team that we should have traded him because I've seen too many superstars leave here empty-handed for Nationals fans. We don't get anything in return. And I couldn't stand to bear that when it comes to Juan Soto because I think he is the best player that this organization has ever produced. Right. Well, over the last decade, doesn't matter when. I think he is the best Washington National to step into that clubhouse. But then furthermore, I do want to talk about some of the players that we got in return from that deal and or actually players singular, because I want to talk about the starting pitching staff with you. But before we get into that, I need to tell you guys about my friends at Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball, and of course, college basketball. My guys at Bet Online. They've got you covered. And guys, this is what I do. It's real simple. Why did I say simpy? It's real simple. This is what you do. You just look on betonline.net. You get all the numbers, all the analytics that you will need to figure out what bet is the best way to bet. Because my guy, Danny, we both like the bet. What do we do? We go to bet online. They give you all the info that you'll need. It's that easy. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online. 
where the game starts. And now we get back into Locked On Nationals with Danny Noakes from 106.7 The Fan. And Danny, you kind of started to go down to where I wanted to transition to with the starting pitching. Because I look at this starting pitching staff, and honestly, I don't think it's that bad. Like, I don't think it's that bad. Because as you were saying, I believe in Mackenzie Gore. Yeah. I think Mackenzie Gore is a sure thing, good, solid starting pitcher. Now, will we see that right away? Probably not. But then again, you look at Josiah Gray. I expect for him to take a year three step up. The time is now for Josiah. You look at Cade Cavalli. I think he's going to have a solid rookie season here in the major leagues. I think there are pieces that to where if they can turn out, this pitching staff may not be as bad as they are kind of seem to be by a lot of people. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a great way to look at it, Ryan. And and that's the optimist in us both, right? We we mm-hmm. want to see this team win and and these We're are guys. Fans. Yeah, we are. And 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 I'm I'm very open about that on my show Same. too. All you can see behind me, this is called the Dan Cave, right? This yeah, is yeah. where <laughs> every single team that I love and I they're all that. from Washington DC is represented here in this Dan Cave right now in Virginia Tech too, which I'm going to give a <laughs> shout out to a little bit later on in the show because there's a prospect in the Nationals organization that I think deserves to at least have some eyes on. I don't think that he's going to be I'll a ask. contributor. I'll, right. I'll tell you about it. That's a I don't, tease. He, it is a tease, and, and I don't think he's coming up this year, but he really had a strong finish to last year, so I, I definitely want right. to bring him up. We'll get to him. But yeah, when it when it comes to Gore, when it comes to Cavalli, Josiah Gray, I mean, Josiah Gray has been really the, the lone bright spot of, of the pitching staff for the last yeah. couple of years, and he has had some rough outings. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not coming out here and saying, you know, that he even looked as good as Strasburg as, as early on in his career as mm-hmm. Strasburg did. But I see the potential there, and I saw it with Cavalli. And I just looking at the numbers, you know, I didn't exactly spend a whole lot of time watching yeah, Padres yeah. baseball. Actually, although I did get to go to a Padres game in person because my friend got married out there. I remember that? There we that go. was really and that was really fun. But I, I believe in Mackenzie Gore. Those numbers before he had that that lapse toward his last five starts, and before he ultimately got injured, he mm-hmm. was pretty darn good. He was pretty effective, and that was at the major league level. Yeah. So. Imagine if you could count on Patrick Corbin to come back and maybe Ish. he's not it, it, exactly right. It doesn't have to be what he was in the postseason for the Nationals when they won the World Series in 2019. You know, he doesn't have to be lights out. He he just needs to be better than terrible, which is what he's yeah. been <laughs> recently. Yeah. And that's no offense. It's it's just yeah. a fact. He has not been good and the the amount of money he's making will make your head spin when you compare it to the actual production that he's given you and the same goes for Strasburg Strasburg hasn't even been out there but I was one of the people that after the the Nats won that World Series in 2019 I was all for giving Steven Strasburg that contract you know and and you know hindsight's 2020 whatnot but I'll I'll wear that that was a bad decision you know Mm -hmm. and a lot of scouts, I, I know the junkies call this out when we get into baseball season pretty much every year. EB loves to talk about it, but a lot of scouts across baseball have been warning the Nationals about Strasburg for a long time and his mechanics and how they're going to cause some injuries later on in his career. Lo and behold, here we are. So there's there's more potential with this starting rotation than might meet the eye but some certain things have to happen right health is one thing and with, with so many guys in this rotation that so many are wishy-washy when yeah. it comes to, to to staying healthy and and that's that's not their fault it's just hard to really peg any sort of expectation for what they could be so you know i kind of put corbin and strasburg aside 
because mm-hmm. you just really don't know what you're going to get out of them. And you could say the same for the, the three young guys that we've talked about as well. But when it comes to Cavalli, Gray, and Mackenzie Gore, they're young and they need to continue their development. They need to step up. And, you know, I think we've see, I think we've started to see it with Gray and Cavalli because they've been here with the Nats. We haven't seen it yet with Gore because he hasn't played. But I think he's taken it upon himself this offseason to get to that point. And I totally agree with that, by the way, like, because I think Mackenzie Gore, in fact, like I've said this multiple times now on this platform, I think Mackenzie Gore, when it's all said and done, the 2023 season, you ask, who was the Nationals best starting pitcher? I think it's going to be Mackenzie Gore. And that's not a a slight to Josiah Gray. I think Josiah Gray is going to be taking a big step up. But then I've also said that I don't think he's going to be like your number one or number two starter. I think he's going to be a very good three starter and that's perfectly fine Mm -hmm. that's what we need from them because you have guys like Cavalli who have the potential to be a number one guy you have Mackenzie Gore who also has a potential to be the number one guy and then also whoever the Nationals draft whoever they sign whoever whatever they do there's room to fill out there I just need Josiah Gray to be a solid reliable third guy but even then with Mackenzie Gore you talk about Steven Strasburg Patrick Corbin Steven Strasburg is on his own island. We don't know (laughs) what's going to be happening there. We don't know how his injury could take place because you know this. You're in the media. You watch this team. Steven Strasburg does not talk with the media. Not at all. And so when he talked with Jesse Doherty from the Washington Post back in September, I believe, when he dropped that story on the future of him, he was very transparent in saying, like, I don't know where my future lies. And coming from a professional athlete who doesn't talk to the media, as we were saying, that's like a kind of a cry for help almost to where it's like, will this guy ever pitch? I'm not going to ask you like, will Steven Strasburg ever pitch again? But Mm -hmm. like, just kind of what is your thought on that to where we gave him all this money? He's got all the years left. And will he pitch again? Here's the optimist in me, buddy. I'll, I'll take this angle again, because that's what we're all about here, right? We're taking optimism. the high road. Optimism, okay? What it reminds me of, and I won't go off too much on this tangent because this is a Nationals podcast, but what the Capitals <laughs> just went through with Nick Backstrom, right? Mm-hmm. And they had both Backstrom and Wilson, part of their Stanley Cup lineup, big parts of the team, big parts of their offense, mm-hmm. out for a long time. They just got him back this past weekend. Well, for Backstrom specifically, and they're both – trying to overcome some pretty significant injuries. Wilson's was a torn ACL, but Backstrom was trying to get over this hip issue that was, it was affecting the way that he played, of course, but it was really affecting his everyday life. And his decision to have surgery was based on him wanting to, you know, have a better chance to to spend time with his family, you know, chase kids around that sort of thing. So the decision to have the surgery wasn't based on hockey. He said, I'm going to make this decision for Nick Backstrom, the dad, not the hockey player. And the hockey thing will figure that out, right? So what happens normally for professional athletes when they have this surgery too is not very good results, right? They don't really come back. They're not very effective, that sort of thing. But Backstrom took it slow. And all the reports, we've only seen one game out of him so far, but he's recovered from it really nicely. And only time will tell as to how close to the old Nick Backstrom he gets to. But the surgery seems to have worked, and he's going hes going to continue to, to reacclimate himself to the lineup. So that's what I'm hoping for with Strasburg. The problem with Strasburg is that the injuries have just been 
I mean, it hasn't been one, right? He's already had Tommy yeah. John surgery, but he's had other elbow issues. He's had shoulder issues. He's had other weird issues, other other injuries too. And it's, again, it's not a shot at the guy, but he, he can't stay healthy. So yeah. hopefully he has a similar, you know, sort of not not like a reckoning or, or like a, a come to Jesus moment or anything like that, because I think he's, he's probably got it figured out, but you yeah. know, just that he's, he's able to, to get to a point where, you know, he can, he can even compete again because we're not, we're not even seeing him right now. And, and, you know, without, like you said, without a whole lot of uh, background on what he's going through because he, he doesn't want to speak to the media, which is understandable to a certain point. We yeah. just are, allowed to to run rampant with speculation and that's where we're at yeah exactly and and that's kind of what it came down to because no one really knew about what his injuries really compiled like everyone mm-hmm. was kind of just speculating about what it is because one the nationals this has been one of my least favorite things of all time when it comes to the washington nationals is that they do not speculate at all when it comes to injuries they will not let you know a single thing that's just the way they operate kudos to them it seems to do well They've won a World Series doing that. So do what you got to do. But also it just it makes me so upset because then it allows us to speculate about what it is. And especially when it comes to Steven Strasburg, when you give him all that money, the millions and the millions and the millions that you give him, it's just it's it feels like a bad business decision almost. But before we wrap up today's show, thanks for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. Locked On MLB Prospects hosted by Lindsey Crosby who is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow, and it is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And now to get back into the final stretch of this show, Danny, we are talking about Steven Strasburg, and honestly, I wasn't even planning to get into Steven Strasburg, but anytime we can talk about the guy, talk about the former World Series MVP, I'm here for it. I want to talk about Strasburg because... It's truly kind of the greatest wonder of the world, whether he's going to be pitching or not. But also, to kind of finish off this starting pitching conversation before we crowbar into our last final little question I have for you, is I feel like in my mind, I've convinced myself to where if Patrick Corbin can just hover around a 4-5 ERA, Mm. let's say he does that, Mm -hmm. a 4-5 ERA, you have Josiah Gray comes out, he improves. He's striking out a lot of batters. He's keeping the ball in the yard. Mackenzie Gore is who we thought he would be. Right. Cade Cavalli, who we thought we would be. That's when I kind of make myself think, Patrick Corbin, four starter, Trevor Williams even. It's not that bad. Yeah, It's not that bad. Patrick Corbin's just got to have a four or five ERA. Yeah. And, and, you know, something else too to, to just throw another wrench into this conversation is that if Corbin is able to, you know, resurrect his 2019 self and, and start pitching well again, Huge. he could also be a trade asset. You know, yeah. I, it'll be, it'll be tough to deal him because his contract is so enormous. Right. And, and yeah. everybody just watched his last, you know, three seasons post world series win of him just completely struggling out there. But so if bad. he returns to form, he could be another guy that you could flip for some for some prospects come July. And I know that that doesn't sound particularly exciting for a fan. You're 
uh, uh, people, the fans, the Nats fans are sick of that, Ryan, right? Because yeah. they, they, they've, they've, they've seen, they've seen Turner and Scherzer flipped for prospects. They've seen Soto flip for prospects. They don't want to see anybody get flipped for prospects anymore. But I think because they have the the young assets that they do in their starting rotation this year, and you you would expect them to continue to be for for several years. I think that you'll take that, you know. But Definitely. but but if you know if he's able to to get back to his 2019 form and and he sticks around and and they don't trade him yeah then he's just another great asset i mean we've seen the peak of of patrick corbin we've seen what he can do it's amazing do. he's got it in him it's not like he can't do it you know yeah. it, he's not old enough to 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 say oh man you know he's past his prime let count him out he's going to he's going to take a dip he's not he's not old enough to to start having that conversation yet so when it comes down to it, you got to come out, you got to perform. And if, you know, if, if the other guys around him, if, if the, I, I feel like if, if Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray and Kay Cavalli come out and they just, they set the, the world on fire and are just, you know, crushing it that you would think that that would elevate someone like Patrick Corbin mm-hmm. as they try to, you know, they're, they're teammates and they love one another, but try to compete with one another too. I totally agree with that, Danny. Danny Noakes, 106.7 The Fan. It's been a ton of fun today. Tell everyone where they can find you on socials. Obviously, you're with 106.7 The Fan. You're on overtime as well as the weekends a lot. So tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah, buddy. And thank you again for having me. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun, and I hope we can do it again soon. So my my social media handles on Twitter, I'm at Danny Noakes. I'm also frequently on Instagram. That's also a public account. You can follow me at, uh, that's at Danny.Noakes. So a little bit of a, a switch up there. My next show on 106.7 The Fan is a week from Thursday, which I believe is the 19th. I'll be on the air from 6.30 to 7.45. And then the following day, Friday, January 20th, I'll I'll be back on, on overtime for 106.7 from 6.30 to 10. So it's getting to the point, man, where we're going to start talking baseball again regularly. We oh, you know, we're, we're just we're not done with football season yet, but the no. commanders are done. So, you know, we, we done. We're, we're almost done with football season. <laughs> I, I have moved on. They can't hurt me anymore. Now That's only right. the nationals can hurt me. That's what yeah. I say. So thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. And next episode, we're going to be talking, of course, about the Washington Nationals. So now you can make your second listen, Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby, who is a prospect encyclopedia, and he always discusses the MLB stars of tomorrow. So guys, check it out. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Danny, I end out every show with what's for dinner tonight. <laughs> what's for dinner tonight okay i you know you'll, you'll have to give me some grace because i don't know exactly what it's called but it's a it's going to be a delicious shrimp pasta dish that uh, oh. my, my girlfriend valerie is is getting ready to prepare downstairs so very grateful for her and, and for her making dinner tonight because i can't wait it's gonna Let's be go. delicious i can't i and I, i'll send you a picture too when we're done buddy if, if oh you yeah want. it's gonna be beautiful but send me. before we get out of here I told you that I had That's one right. guy that I wanted to keep that I wanted everybody to keep an eye on. And he's currently from MLB.com. He's the 25th ranked prospect in the Nationals organization, but a right-handed pitcher who you could probably expect to see in AAA this year. His name is Zach Brixey. All right. Yeah. Zach Brixey. Brixey played a lot down in uh, Fredericksburg last year. I He played some in Harrisburg as well. But I, I expect him to to come up now to to AAA to Rochester this year. I don't think that you'll see him on a on on the Nationals major league roster. Mm-hmm. But he's someone that that really closed out last season well. I am a Hokey. He's a Hokey. So 
yeah, there's a little bit of bias right there, but I love the way that he finished the season last year. And, you know, you can never have too many arms in the bullpen. So uh, he's a guy that he continues that development right there. We will see him in a Nationals uniform soon. No, and actually, it's funny you brought him up, but I know, I know I've said that this is the last thing, but like <laughs> he is legit someone that I think will be a very good relief pitcher. Look yeah. at the numbers and his strikeouts in the mm-hmm. innings. This guy is legit. Yeah, like, super legit. I, I didn't even know that he went to Virginia Tech. I thought he was actually because, I mean, he was part of that 2020 draft, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And that 2020 draft was only five rounds because right. of the pandemic and all that. So he definitely would have been drafted. He was just kind of one of those guys who would have gone in the sixth, seventh or eighth round who kind of just got screwed. Yeah. And that's why he went undrafted. And the Nationals got a steal. They opinion. did. And and he continues to fly under the radar, which is exactly what we need. That's I got to watch need. him when I went on back-to-back road trips in 2018 and 2019 with the Virginia Tech baseball team. I went and I called their first mm-hmm. 10 to 13 games of the season. We went to a couple of different tournaments. So I, I got to watch Zach pitch in person and, and, and do some play-by-play for a couple of different of his games. So to, to see what he did at the end of last season in the minors in the National League, in the Nationals farm system, I'm excited. Yeah, so so you just said he's going to be the next Craig Kimbrell, right? <laughs> I didn't say that. See, you guaranteed I, it, right? I'm all about I'm all about <laughs> optimism, but I also don't want anybody's to, expectations to just go, you know, to the moon because I don't expect <laughs> that to be where this team is this year. But there are some bright spots. Just keep an eye on those prospects. They they're the, a lot of them are on on the track that you would mm-hmm. want them to be. It's going to take some time, but they they've got some guys. So you know. Fingers crossed, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Danny, this has been fun, man, and uh, we'll wrap it up here. All right? You have a good one, Danny. You too, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, Nats fans, we will talk to you another day. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in.